Last week, I talked about passing the baton, and we were talking last week just about this, this transition we're in and values. We want to pass on to the, the next generation, the people around us. And so uh, this week, I want to talk about the baton of freedom, especially in light of being Independence Day this week. Amen? How, how many are glad for freedom, that Christ set you free? And... and if, if church is new to you and this, this kind of lively, wild atmosphere is new to you, that's because you were surrounded by people that are free, people that God's touched their lives, and they're not hindered by just, you know, fear or just that, uh, what are people going to think if I raise my hand? They're, they're free to worship God. And however you worship, if you worship quietly or more exuberant, we, we value freedom here. Amen? And so thinking about next generation stuff, thinking about transition and what the future is for you, whether you're at our church or somewhere else, I want to just talk about this principle of being free in Jesus. Amen? Can, can you remember the time or any time in your life where God did something that broke something off or changed the way you saw something or gave you fresh perspective like the veil was lifted? Anybody have those experiences? Where, yeah, there's a few that are, can acknowledge, maybe even recently, where God opened your eyes to something and that weight, that shackle, that chain maybe was broken off and now you're experiencing or walking in a new level of freedom. Well, what is freedom? The dictionary defines it this way. It's the ability to control and direct one's own life. Freedom allows a person to consciously make his own choices, create his own purpose, and shape his own life. He acts instead of being acted upon, or he or she. Freedom is a universal human desire and pursuit. It's the gift of God. And uh, around the world, just talking to people from many, many different cultures, they dream of freedom. They, they've looked at the United States as a place of freedom. People around the world want to come with the, the freedom to pursue enterprise, the freedom to vote, the freedom to have a voice, the freedom not to be concerned over their shoulder who's listening to what they're saying for fear of being imprisoned. When we were in Minnesota and we were talking about our Bible schools, there's 23 uh, graduates from our Bible school in India that have been martyred for their faith, for standing for Christ. And so this freedom that God gives us is amazing. This, this freedom that comes, that's been allowed to, to operate in our country, has been truly a gift that some of us take for granted. But how much more that personal freedom, that intimate freedom, the, this definition says the ability to control and direct one's own life. There's a freedom that comes from God where he begins to work in us and set us free, and then by choice, we, we come under him. Scripture calls it being a bondservant. We bring our freedom, our livery under him and say, no, Lord, I'm free to serve you. I'm free to follow you. I, I can, I've been set free from other things, so now I can have relationship with you. Amen? Amen. You're with me this morning. So there, there's two sides of freedom. There's freedom from some things, like you maybe got set free from food addiction. Maybe you got set free from chronic migraines. You're now free from something. But God always wants to bring you freedom into something new, being, uh, taking on something different. In other words, some people have been set free from abuse and, and just their self-esteem being broken down. They've been set free from that, but now they're free to enter into relationships wholeheartedly, to give their heart to somebody else. So you get free from one thing, and God sets you free for something else. Does that make sense this morning? And I think it's an important part of freedom. Because when I got saved, it was still, you know, it, it, it was kind of the uh, 
the denominational message of sin and hell and, and you got to give your life and, and get right. And when you do, you're going to be going to heaven. And there was that side of the cross. They're preaching from that side of the cross of forgiveness of sins, that God wants to remove guilt. He wants to take shame away. And I was so grateful for that. When that lifted, I still remember going to the altar at 19. I really started serving the Lord at 21, but 19, I went to the altar. And when Pastor Chuck prayed, something lifted. I just began to cry. Guilt and shame was gone. I felt that I was freed from something. But it kind of stopped there. And, and when we just stay on that side of the cross and we don't keep moving forward knowing this, that it's the work of the cross that frees us from something, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that frees us going into something new. He takes us out of the old, and when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he takes us out of the old and brings us into something new. Amen? And are you glad for that, that you're free to pursue new dreams? You're free to pursue new things in your life. You're free to have a new beginning, new horizons, new challenges. God gives you a new opportunity. You're no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6 says this, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So when we were in sin, because of our sin nature, because all have fallen, amen? That sin nature that Adam brought into the earth, it's impacted all of us. And so by your own carnal nature, you were just acting out like I was. You were just doing things based on the appetites of the flesh. But now, say now, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become servants, bond servants, some translations say slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's eternal life. So now I've been set free from sin. So now I'm set free to follow God. And now by choice, I can bring my life under him, his protection, his covering, his help, his direction, his purpose, his peace, his plan, his power. By choice now, I've been set free from sin, and now I've been set free to something new in God, an eternal life, and to carry out his plan and purpose. Amen? Freedom was from the work of the cost, the freedom from delivering us from bondage, but freedom too is the work of the Holy Spirit. For God sets us free by the power of the cross and keeps us free and moving forward by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let me ask you this. Why don't many Christians move beyond the forgiveness of their sins into wholeness and fullness? Why why do some get stuck right there? Many are grateful. They get saved. Praise God for that. Become children of God. They, they, They get to enjoy just, you know, community. But sometimes I see them get free from addictive things, abusive things, hurtful things, harmful things. Praise God. I see them move to a place, and they're free. But to see that there's a freedom now to move forward. See, those of us that may have been controlled by a spirit of fear, and we wouldn't take on new things because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid if we did something, we might look embarrassed. If we did something new that might be awkward, maybe there was still a fear in us that, Stepping out in faith is really scary. And, and we, we, you know, not sure. Even making new friendships, risking a little bit. That's hard for us. I love the fact that when Jesus sets us free, he wants us to be free indeed. He wants us to be whole and free enough to now step out into faith and new adventures. Step out in faith into new things. Step out in faith and to embrace the new things that he wants to do in us. Amen. I don't know about, does anybody like new things in here? Anybody like new experiences, new challenges, little aspects, ability to grow? 
See, this is what scripture says. Whatever, read this with me. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. There, this thing about being redeemed of the past, you know, being forgiven, released from the past, being able to move forward into the future, it's, it requires faith. Not only that, if you're going to allow God to do his full work in you, if you're going to allow God to bring that full freedom to you, it's going to require faith. Scripture says whatever, not just whosoever, but whatever is born of God, that means the dreams and the things he's given you are whatevers. And if they're born of God and he's birthed them in you, those things will overcome the world. And the victory that overcomes the world, it's going to take faith. Now, I could tell you, hey, I went to a Home Depot. You ever see those, those sheds out in front? And I, I, I could tell you, I picked out a shed. Man, that's going to be nice in the backyard. All my stuff's going to be there. You're not going to see junk around. I'm going to put it all in the shed. And I got all the plans, and they delivered the roofing materials and the foundation materials. I got it all. I got the plans in my hand. And a year from now, you could come by and say, Where, where's your shed? I got my shed. It's still in the garage. All the pieces are there. The parts are there. The bolts are there. The nuts are there. I got the shed. Well, it's nice that it's in your garage, but I, I thought you had it so you could build and wreck and put stuff in it. Yeah, it's going to happen. I got it. I got all the tools, everything I need. It's still in the back, but never did anything with it. And what does it take? Faith is action. Faith is taking hold of what God has said and promised and start moving forward with it, believing, speaking it, saying, God, this is what you have for me. Faith in, Scripture says in James, faith without works is dead. So for you and me, sometimes where we get stuck, we, 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 we haven't applied, applied our faith to it. We haven't really received it by faith to the point that it's in us, and we're speaking it, and we're believing it, and we're seeing it, and, and we're giving action to it. Does that make sense this morning? See, why, why people get stuck in... And this is what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. He said in Mark 4, if anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand, then he said, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more you understand you will be given and you will receive even more. So this is what he's saying. When you perceive, he said, be careful what you hear because it's shaping your life. Be careful what you're listening to. It's forming that image on the inside. Be careful who's speaking and you're allowing to come into your heart and your mind because it's shaping your life. And depends on how you shape your life, depends on how that's shaped, depends on if it's motivated by fear or it's motivated by love or faith, it's going to have a lot to do with the fruitfulness and your freedom to move forward in what he's called you to do. Are you with me? So we're flying back on uh, Friday from Minnesota and we're on the last leg from Phoenix to San Luis Obispo. And uh, Jan and I are sitting here, and here comes a gal walking by. I look at her, and her face looked kind of familiar. I said to Jan, I think that's Lynn Weddington. She was my high school girlfriend 40-some years ago. <laughs> and Jan is very secure in our relationship, and our, uh, she's very, very secure. I still have to look at her, her pictures on Facebook of her boyfriend. He takes them around the world. Look where he is now. Anyway, we, we just have to... He's a good photographer. He's doing that. <clears throat> anyway, so the girl goes to the back of the plane. A little while later, I say, I have to go to the bathroom. And so I go back, and there was Lynn Weddington, my high school girlfriend. And we sit down, and we start talking, and Jan's looking back. No, she wasn't. <laughs> Not at all. Totally cool. Totally supportive. It was just a great connection. But this, this is what was interesting about it. 
so we haven't talked for 40 some years. We had mutual friends back there. And she's tracked some of the friends and where they've ended up. And she caught me up to speed on some of the friends. And I'm saying this because of who speaks into your life and the people that you allow to speak into your life has a lot to do with where you're going. Rick, Rick, Rick Chichester was a friend of ours, mutual friend. Rick, Rick now, multi-million dollar doing real estate and investment. He's been very successful. Another guy, Cody Small, same path, retired at 40 years old. But they had healthy families. Rick's a believer. People around him, not guaranteeing every you know, teen believer is going to be a millionaire, but there's something about people that are speaking into your life and what they're saying over you and how they're encouraging you and, and the things you surround yourself with. Right. We started talking about some other people that haven't done so well. One particular, that's, he died now. Of, of, of drug use and drug things. And so now you track back 50, almost 50 years and you say the, the direction people are going and the choices they're making and the things that are happening has a lot to do with what you listen to and the voices you're listening to. And that's why Jesus said, take heed, take heed, pay close attention to what you hear. Now, we're hearing sound all the time. If we got really quiet, I could hear the door moving, probably hear kids out in the hallway, lobby, some people speaking, whatever. If I was listening for that, I could probably hear it, but I've tuned that out because I'm focused on something else right now. And you and me have the choice what to listen to and what to filter, but what to act on, what to apply our faith to if we want to change our lives. Amen? So Jesus said, be careful. Pay close attention to what you hear. Because the closer you listen, the more understanding you're going to get. And this is the thing with God. The more you get from him, the more you're a steward over what he gives you, the more he adds to. And so when we get hold of these things about who I am now in Christ... When we start living it out, when we start paying attention to it and say, this is who I am now. I'm a son of God. This is what God's done in my life. He's freed me and start living as a free man. It's amazing how much favor, how many things open our way when we live like he intended us to live. Amen? So this is what I want to speak to you. I'm just going to give you some promises, and I want you to believe these this morning. Whether you are with us, whether you've been in church for a while or connected here, if you're a new believer, I just want to give you some promises, and I want you to believe them this morning. Scripture says this, he, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all, say all. all. Tell your neighbor that's you. Yet to all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. So this is it. You and me were born into families. Maybe our parents planned us. Maybe they didn't. That was one birth. But now we've been born of God. We're in the family of God. And because we're in the family of God, he gave us the right and the privilege he gave us the, the inheritance as his children. We are children of God, and we have an inheritance in him, and it's an amazing inheritance. It's filled with promise, filled with provision for you and me. Do you believe that this morning, church? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he'll go in and out, and he'll find pasture. Then he makes a distinction between the, the world, the devil, the devil's world and his world. The thief, he comes to, to steal, what? To kill and what? To destroy. Read the last line with me. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Tell your neighbor, you're a they. Tell them that. You're, you're a they. Jesus came. Jesus came. This is the foundation I work off of. Jesus, you said you came to give me abundant life. 
And abundant life is not just living in high on the hill with every little toy and goodie you want. There's abundant life's in here. Abundant life is peace in storms. Abundant life is the ability to trust God in every circumstances. Where Paul says in Philippians, I know I've learned this secret, he said. I know how to live abased and I know how to abound. His conclusion is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's abundant life. Friendships and connections and opportunity. And at night that God could speak to you, that he sings songs over you, the reality that you're saved, you're loved, you're chosen, you're secure. Those things are part of abundant life. Financial provisions, part of abundant life. Family, if not natural family, church family, kingdom family, that's part of abundant life. Ministry, mission, things that God gives you to do, your gifts, that's part of abundant life. The Lord wants you to have that, but you have to believe it. You have to believe when he says, I came to give you abundant life, that you don't say, yeah, well, that might work for somebody else, but it doesn't work for me. See, when sometimes I preach the promises, there's people that have said, well, that, that for a lot of people, Pastor Mike, that doesn't seem too practical because the difficult times they're going through. And I say, this will change them from their difficult times if they begin to take hold of the word and believe God's word and declare God's word. Because I tell you, you, you are where you are now, most of us, because of things you believed about yourself. You are where you're now and the limits that come over us and some of the things that have happened because we've believed when people abused us and cut us down, when people made fun of us, when people told us we're no good, when people told us we're worthless growing up, when people told us that, yeah, this, your brother, he's going to go on, but you're never going to make it. Those kind of things that get planted in our hearts. So if you're stuck because of lives, guess what? You can get out because of truth. If you're, if you're stuck because of lies have been spoken, now you start believing something else. Jesus, the son of God that paid for my sin was raised from the dead. This is what he said about me, and I'm going to start choosing to believe that, Amen. that now I'm born again. Now I have rights and privileges as the children of God. Now I'm going to see myself helped by God. And I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on him. Do you got that this morning? Believe me, I, I've struggled with this, I've wrestled with this. 40 years I've been doing this, trying to renew my mind to what God has said about me and what his promises are towards me and taking hold of those things when I look around and it doesn't seem like it's happening. I have to cling to what he said. And just like our brother and sister said earlier, he is faithful, amen? amen. Read this with me. Jesus said, red letter, these things I spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He tells us that word flippus. He says in the world, there'll be pressure. There'll be squeezing. There's things that are going on. Things that are going to happen. But he said, take cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good courage. I have overcome the world. The overcomer's in you. Do you believe that? The overcomer's living in you. The greater one's living in you. You need to believe that this morning. He says in Romans 12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, <clears throat> but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That means change your thinking about who you are. Change your thinking about your past. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So you, trans you get transformed by the renewing of your mind for what purpose right there? What's the purpose up there? Be transformed to do what? To be able... Discern his will, not just his will, but his good will, his pleasing will, and his perfect will. In other words, God's saying, transform your mind because I have my perfect will for you. Transform your mind because I'm trying to get your mind lined up with my perfect will for your life. He didn't say, be transformed so you can see everything the devil's doing. 
Be transformed so you can discern what's going on in the world. No, he said, be transformed so you can discern what my perfect will is for your life. And when he calls it a perfect will and he wants you to discern that, don't you believe he wants you to have that? Don't you believe he wants you to walk in that, his will for your life? I don't know about you, I do, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to pursue it. Anybody else with me? I want to pursue as good, as pleasing, as perfect will. I want to pursue that. I've been set free from sin. I was a slave to sin, but now I'm a bondservant of God, and I can go after his perfect will in my life. I can pursue his will that's good and pleasing and whole. Amen? And then he says, last one, read this with me. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. What? Just as your soul prospers, your mind and your will and emotions. And you take care of those things. You feed those things. You guard those things. Your mind, will, emotions, your heart. You guard your heart. I try and guard my heart. There's things that come in. Last week, we talked about staying free of offense and walking in reconciliation, coming to the communion table. I I, got to guard my heart. I want my soul to prosper. And I know this, when my soul prospers, when I'm thinking right, when I'm receiving right, when I'm hearing right, when I have peace, because I've been in communion with God, everything else prospers. My relationships prosper. On the job, there's there's something here. when, When my soul is prospering and there's peace in my heart, things can flow. God wants that for you and me, amen? But you gotta believe it, that he wants that for you. Because if you don't believe it, you won't pursue it. Are we okay? Romans 8, 12. I think I just, one, one more after this one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you're gonna die. So if you're just living for the appetites of your flesh, eventually they'll start taking over. They'll consume you. And even for believers, scripture warns us in Hebrews then we're sowing to the flesh and we're just living in unrepentant sin. Our heart gets hard from God. Our heart gets hardened. We got in this thing, like in a marriage, Jesus said this. He said, Moses allowed divorce because of hardness of heart. We started this relationship with the Lord by a vow we made. Scripture says, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'd be saved. This thing started by confession, believing, receiving, entering into covenant. Scripture warns us here, though, if you live in the flesh, what happens? Your heart starts getting hard. What happens when you, when you live apart from them? And it's just not really a, an act of sin that'll do this. It's repeated things where your heart just starts getting hard. You quit hearing from God. You get restless. You just get pulled other ways. Pretty soon, you're not in that relationship anymore. That's what Paul's warning. He says, don't live after the flesh. But, but there's now you have life in the spirit. For those who are led by the spirit of God, they're children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. He says the spirit doesn't want you to go backwards. The spirit wants you to go forward. Amen? Rather, the spirit you receive brought, you ab- brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, for children, then we're heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So at the cross... We were set free from things, but now with the Spirit in our lives, God wants to set us free for some things. He wants to move us forward in life. He wants to propel us into to a wholeness, into a fullness, but we got to believe that. Amen? We got to believe that He's in us. We got to believe that He's working, that He's committed to us. And believe me, a lot of times there are circumstances that are contrary to that. I got a text last night from a friend going through a tough time. 
in, in, in a hotel, and he just talked about how he's battling right now. He said, I'm kind of in a crisis of faith, man. You just need to pray with me and agree with me, and I will, and I did. Those things that come up, we, we butt up against that, that feels like it's contrary to every promise. And then you and me have to decide, am I just going to be moved around by feelings and emotions all the time? Is there something deeper that I affirm and I start just agreeing with, and that's God's promises? Hun, can you hand me a faith aid? Here. You know, for, thank you. For, for some of us, this is just like basic medicine cabinet stuff. And uh, Jim Caseman, the president of our association, wrote this years ago. And when he started using it, he, he carried this little black book around. And he had these things printed out, and they were three-hole punched. And he said about two or three times a day, he would just take them out, and he would read the promises of God, what God says about his circumstances and his situation. Because in the beginning, he was traveling in a van, sometimes with his family of five in the van, going to teach a Bible study there. They'd give him $50 gas money, just going place to place. He said, we were totally relying on God for a couple years. Then even after that, to build the ministry. He, he was a chronic alcoholic when he got saved. He ran his car into the end of the bridge trying to end his life, and God spared his life. His nurse that nursed him back to health ended up being his wife, and now they've been married 50-some years and in ministry. But how he changed it all was by habitually just reading God's word and getting his word in his heart and changing the image of the person his parents would say, you're never going to amount to anything. You're an alcoholic. All those word curses spoken over him, he had to undo them by reading, meditating, getting in his heart what God's word says about him. It started to reshape his image, change him on the inside. This is who I can be now. If I had my old life, and I got this far in my old life, it was because of what I believed. Guess what? You can build a new foundation. You can believe something else. You can believe God's word. You can see him work in your life. Amen? Anybody with me this morning? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking with you. Amen? I want God's best for you. Believe me, I want God's best. As we move into the next season and Jeff, Pastor, uh, Jeff Bauer becomes lead pastor, I want you to know we're going to be around. We're going to be part of what Agape's doing here. But I am for you. I want to see you go as far as you can go in God. There's more churches to plant. There's more mission trips to take. There's more people to reach in our community. And it's about your wholeness and your healthiness and your moving forward and my moving forward together. We're going to advance God's kingdom in this season. Amen?